When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Use code DNVR and we sign up for a new account to get amazing odds boots every single day. Rudo, Jesse, Megan, AJ coming at you live on a Tuesday. We spent all of yesterday talking about Kadri and the Avs 2C situation and all of that. But it's easy to forget that there are 19 other dudes in the lineup every night. What? Bunch, yeah, I know. Crazy, right? Except for not for Evans' men's league game the other night where there are only seven of them, I guess. But Oh, that sounded awful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Rough, night. Rough oh. night. That's one where you look at the shift chart and it's just lines. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you took a 17-minute shift. <laughs> that's what i was advocating for for the abs there coming down that stretch when it was obvious they had just punted it's like just roll the doors come in on the right whoever's first off on the left just jump in whatever position you want who gives an f <laughs> stay out there well and, and you know it's a little bit of the conversation i want to get into today because last year in the regular season the Avs had 39 different players playing at least one game for them. Uh, if you're counting players that suited up, you got 40 with an extra goaltender on there. Uh, to be clear, uh, the divide of players there were 23 forwards and 12 defensemen, if you're counting Curtis McDermott as a defenseman in this case, uh, throughout the season played for the Avs. So... Uh, you know, really, you have almost an entire different lineup of players at each position that at one point or another played at least a game or two for the Avs throughout a year. And there's varying degrees of importance there. Obviously, your 13th forward, your 7th defenseman are significantly more important than your 18th forward and your 10th defenseman. But... It's still an important part of a hockey team knowing you're going to get into some of that depth every year. The myth of a healthy season, a fully healthy season, doesn't exist for any hockey team. It's never existed. It will never exist. So Calgary Flames made a great effort this year, though. Yeah, and like Sean Monahan, it's it was the weirdest thing is that like Sean Monahan was their biggest injury, and that version of Monahan wasn't any good, so it didn't matter. <laughs> And even then, even then, Calgary had to use a handful of guys. So I, I did want to get into it. We probably don't have to get into the super depth of it. But a lot of this has fallen to the wayside with the conversations around the Avs 2C position, with the conversations around Kadri. 
And and the immediate jumping off point, the thing that has just completely faded into the background, at one point it sounded like the Avs were fairly far along in talks with bringing Jack Johnson back. And at very least, the contract hasn't materialized there. So, one, do we still expect them to do something like that? And two, is it really that important? Uh, I think it's important. Like, Jack Johnson ended up playing more playoff games than he sat. Yep. So, that guy, I think, is definitely important. Especially because, I mean... If not Jack Johnson, Ryan Murray's still unsigned, isn't he? You know, PK Subban is still unsigned. There are still some there are still some like depthish guys out there that you could get that you wonder, you know, okay, who's gonna be the guy that they pull this year? There's no way they're done there. They're sitting on three point nine million in cap space. Um, and one of those contracts is basically the placeholder for a Jack Johnson league minimum deal. because uh, Who's who does Cap Friendly have on the roster right England. now? That it'll be England. Okay, yeah. Who won't be there? So yeah, like Calvin DeHaan is still unsigned. Like that's Calvin DeHaan is a guy that could help twenty five third pairings right now. So like this could be this could be one of those you know. And every year we have a couple of these guys uh, who agree to one year deals or PTOs or whatever. Um, and they <laughs> they know where they're going. We just don't know that they know that. And you wonder, like, what do the abs kind of have already in the pipeline here? What do they already have? Because normally you have the free agent, you have, like, the rush of free agents, and then everybody takes six weeks off, especially if you're one of the organizations like the abs this year where you don't have to worry about arbitration. You take six weeks off, and you go to the cabins, and you just chill. You hang out at Lake of the Woods. And they don't have that time this year. Uh, so I do wonder, like, are they, is everybody still in hibernation right now? Or are people still working here? So it's, I, I do think it's an, it's an important conversation, but where they land, I think is going to be fascinating because we saw with Jack Johnson last year, it, it went, it went better than we expected. It went okay. It still wasn't good. Yeah, it's so it's funny you say that, AJ, because I <clears throat> I had the thought, I think it was during the final, uh, you know, watching Jack Johnson play, and I was like, damn, I y- you forgot throughout the season that he was a PTO guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everyone kind of shook their head a bit when that PTO got announced. Um, but to your point, AJ, like full credit to Jack Johnson, like he he stuck, he was effective enough. Um, you know, he, he held that he was kind of the placeholder on the third pairing there, uh, in, in the postseason after Gerard got hurt and, and for a PTO guy, I think you're happy with that. I, I mean, look, I, I said this a bit yesterday on, on the show. I I'm kind of of the opinion that given some of the names that AJU listed, look, if they run back Jack Johnson, whatever, fine. He was part of the cup winning team. No real complaints. He's the bona fide seventh D this year, whatever. Um, but like for me, given where they're at up front with what we're hearing about Kadri now, sounds like he's maybe heading to the East. Um, I'm of the opinion that go, go spend a little bit less, take whatever money you have left, cut it in half and go get a middling 
kind of guy on, on D, like I was saying yesterday, go get a guy that you think is a middle six guy that maybe is a little miscast wherever they're at. Um, I just, you know, I don't think you need to do anything. Again, the theme of yesterday's show. You don't need to do anything silly um, given where given where you are in, in your current offseason. I think the hard part is that how do you get a guy to come to Colorado to play defense for you right now? Because oh, like, yeah. like, like the top six is set. Set, yeah. And the forward options aren't really. There's not. It's not like there's a lot of forward spots that are really open either. Right. So I I feel like the sell job right now is what exactly. I think that's why someone like Jack Johnson fills this role so well if it's to be filled similar to how it was last year with the PTO walk-on like that is there's an acknowledgement of what they're walking into and I think for Jack Johnson this is just a renewed opportunity to continue a career kind of in the final stages of the rest of his career so if it's someone like a Jack Johnson who accepts that that's the role they're getting and another league minimum contract that's not going to affect the gap too greatly it's a great fit if that's what Jack Johnson's looking for, if there's another Jack Johnson out there. And I imagine the Kadri news has held up a lot of conversations to the public eye that are probably happening behind the scenes to orchestrate filling that role in some capacity. Now that we have a little more clarity on the Kadri situation. It's a, it's a good point that we talked about Calvin DeHaan, PK Subban. Those aren't really guys that seem like they would fit in a proper seventh D spot for the Avs they're they're a little bit too high valued there are too many teams that would have them in their starting lineups you know and anything's possible right one of those guys could say I really want to go win a cup and I think the Avs are the best shot but it seems unlikely um beyond that you guys already mentioned look the Avs top 60 when healthy is completely set you obviously have uh Makar Taves uh Gerard Byram and then Johnson Manson in whatever combination you want to throw them in I don't care but that's your six but that's like a hard six, man. Like yeah. you need an injury. You're not breaking into. That's not a six that you break into with poor play. That's a six that you break into only because somebody got hurt. I was gonna say. I guess the the only thing that you could maybe sell one of those guys that we, you know we were listing off there a minute ago on is, and I mean this would also have to be a conversation with Eric Johnson. You know, maybe it's something where you you cycle EJ out every you know third, fourth game, you sit him to stay healthy or whatever. Um, to me, that's the only way you – to your point, are kind of selling someone on here's how you get into some games. But Eric I mean, Johnson has to want the time off as well. Assuming so. health, he's the only guy that isn't a guaranteed everyday player for you, right? Are, yeah. are you talking about rotating Johnsons again? Uh, I just might be. I just might be. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think the other thing with some of these guys is the longer they sit out there. I mean, to your point, whoever said it earlier, it's August 2nd. Like after a while, it's like, Hey, I know you want maybe a little bit more of a hard line job, but don't you want a job in general? Like it's the fact that PK Subban is still sitting out there is surprising just because again, like, you know, everyone, it's no secret PK Subban's play has dropped off immensely 
But I mean, how many teams out there could he jump right into their decor and get decent responsibility? It's it's interesting that there's a couple of these guys still out there. And it's just a weird spot for the Evs to be in because you look at that six and you go, that six is super strong. You're very happy with your starting six, but you get into the seventh D spot and you immediately have a bunch of questions. Obviously, Curtis McDermott is going to be in their lineup, likely to be their their go-to healthy scratch. But we saw all of last year on the defensive side, that was a dude that they were afraid to play more than like seven, eight minutes a night. It yeah. just really wasn't something they wanted to do. I understand the aspect that he brings, but actually playing defense, he didn't do a ton of. They preferred him at forward. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And not not by the, not by a lot either because yeah, it's yeah. he just didn't <clears throat> like Curtis McDermott is a guy that they really like and hey they oh we think he got better throughout the year working with the skills coach and practicing and you know we we think that there's more for this guy to give and blah 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 right and it's like okay but the coach played him eight minutes a night as a defenseman right like. There was, I don't remember. I don't remember which one it was. It was Jay Fresh or, or uh, Corey Schneider, or which whichever one of them. One of one of them put out a, a viz that was like McDermott broke my chart because his time on ice was so low that uh, they had to change the the access for him just to get him to fit on there because he he just didn't play. He played so little, so it's uh, like that's a that's a guy that you're like, look, he. He fills a valuable roster spot at a really cheap price because he takes up both a forward and a D spot. Great. That's nice to have. Okay. Go ahead. And you're kind of, you know, it's talking about preparedness too, having a Curtis McDermott's in the balance. And I look at the Jacob McDonald contract as a backup, backup plan, as a utility option for the apps to call up in on account of injuries as needed to. I wonder if that factors into some of who they're targeting to fill this position. That's exactly what I wanted to get into next because you have Jacob McDonald and the abs clearly favored when bringing in a defenseman last year, a more defensive minded, a little bit more of a controlled player like a Jack Johnson. And I get it. Like there's some veteran history there that I'm sure came into play, but especially it seemed like they really, really shied away from McDonald after that injury he took last year from the hit. Uh, and I know it took him a while to come back, but when he did come back, he had he was playing just fine in the AHL, did a bunch of good stuff for them, and the Avs kind of stayed away from that, leaning more towards, again, bigger body defensive defenseman type guys to fill that extra defenseman role. So I do wonder where McDonald sits right now on – how interested they are in, in going to him again. Well, and like, keep in mind, they also signed Brad hunt and now like that's a guy who hasn't played in the AHL in years and has played, has been a steady seventh D in the NHL for a while now. At look, we always talk about when the team includes AHL money, when they, when they give a guy to a deal, they're planning on playing him there. That's where they see him fitting in. But, like, if he's your 7th D, that's also fine. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like he's your, like, Hunt and McDermott are both on the roster. Okay. Um, 
the the thing with Hunt for me is that I think he fills more of the Jordan Gross job in in the Eagles because he's much more of an offensively uh, tilted defenseman who gets away with okay defense. But puck moving and, and point production is going to be a big, the, like the focal point. It's going to be what Hunt brings to you. So him fitting in as a sixth guy, like that's really, it's not what you're looking for from for Colorado because they've got plenty of that. Like there's a reason Jack Johnson is that seventh guy. And like Ryan Murray, Ryan Murray was a defensive defenseman, but he did it in such a different way from Jack Johnson that, it almost felt like we sort of saw Ryan Murray get miscast a little bit here uh, last last season. And I, I mean, I would be all for going out and giving that, just give him a million dollars to do it again. I would understand if he was not interested in doing that. I would, I would understand totally, but I, I think that that would probably be as good a fit as there could be just to bring that guy back. But then you're having the same kind of conversation uh, with with Ryan Murray, Calvin DeHaan, both of those guys. You're talking about injury problems with with both of those. Those are guys that just don't stay healthy for you. Your injury fallback is injury prone. Exactly. <laughs> Given the way the Avs top four D is constructed, especially, I think it becomes harder for a player like Brad Hunt to find a role, right? Definitely on the smaller side, a bit of a defensive liability. The Avs have, have clearly, again, made a push to make their third pairing one that they don't want to be fun to play against. They want teams to have a bad time against big bodies that are willing to throw down and and just not give up anything free, basically. I mean, what's Colorado's third pairing right now? I... I would have it as probably Johnson and then you, the other guys probably rotates significantly, but I mean, cause right now I think I opened Byram Johnson. I opened Gerard Manson and sure. I have a third pairing as in, I have a third pairing that goes out there and plays the third most minutes, but I think it's really going to be a, a tale of a team with, to be uh, yeah exactly like it's because we saw how they got used in the postseason when they were healthy as when 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 one pairing was having a good game the other pairing uh got their minutes cut a little bit and and when one pairing was struggling they got their minutes cut a little bit you know like and you can you're comfortable with that whichever you can kind of just say it as okay whoever's playing well is the guy that's going to get the minutes tonight it's not so much a rigid roster construction because we've always seen, you know, under Barrett, Bednar and Pratt, we've always seen these guys have rotated defend defenders uh, situationally to, to give them different, to give them different matchups and different opportunities. I don't think there's nearly as much of a need for that, given the talent that they have on hand now. Uh, and I wonder if we see as much of it, there will still be some, there will still be the occasional, hey, let's slip out Byram with Makar, you know? There will still be some of that stuff, but I don't know that it, there will be as much of it next year. Uh, just because they're they're deep enough that it's like, okay, well, these guys are really good. And if, if EJ's having a bad night, if Josh Manson's having one of those nights, then you just scale back that pairing and that becomes your third pairing for the day. But otherwise, like... 
I say, oh, I would open with Byram and Johnson on the third pairing. Third pairing. We're we're talking about like all of these guys are going to play seventeen minutes. Like they're gonna they're gonna evenly distribute it because they don't need Taves and McCarr to dominate in the way that top pairings do. They don't need to push that pairing twenty six minutes anymore. They can get that pairing down to twenty two minutes and raise the floor because that's what they've done with this construction of this defense. Assuming no changes, no major changes from here. I, this is the best defense in the NHL, and the balance that it gives them is uh, something that every other team is going to be envious of. I yeah. think health is an overarching concern, too, just because different injuries cropped up for different players last season, and Sam Gerrard's coming back from a pretty serious injury. And so if there is a way for your three pairs to alleviate the workload of the other pairings, Kale McCarr is only human. I don't want to test the 27-minute nights for a full season any longer than necessary. So I like the way that AJ described these pairings and kind of equalized what Byram and Johnson is as a third pairing actually means to this team. The one thing that I really feel like the Avs are missing on their defensive side and their depth is they don't have that prospect in their back pocket. Last year, obviously, they had Justin Barron, who they could throw out mm-hmm. there. And and when you're doing that with a prospect, expectations are a little bit different, right? You're just giving a guy some NHL time. You're trying to get him in a little bit of experience there. They just don't have that right now. Sean Barron's is coming, but he's not even in the AHL. He's not a call-up option. Yeah. Um, unless, you know, little Z gets the AHL and absolutely balls out which is unlikely. They just don't have a prospect call-up option on the defensive side. So it, it does feel like they do need some kind of stopgap there, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, we are brought to you by Sexy Pizza. You can go to sexy.pizza to order right now or tonight at dinner or tomorrow or anytime. Highly recommend you get over there. Their pizzas are absolutely delicious. Bye. Uh, can't get enough of them. You know, AJ and I are simple, simple pizza people. We like one topping, throw it on there. Pepperoni. Or I'm, I used to be a sausage guy, but... Yo, a thing that I learned. No, God. The person the person who came up with what we know of as the Hawaiian pizza mm-hmm. is also the person who opened Boston Pizza up here in Canada. Okay. Which is aggressively mediocre and don't eat there. All right. Don't eat Hawaiian pizza. Don't eat yeah. Boston pizza. Got it. So, a thing that I learned. The more Does you know. Pineapple and pizza have connections to Boston. Am I drawing too many dots here? This conspiracy goes all the way to the top. It's not even Hawaiian, guys. He made an abomination and said, how can I get this as yeah. far away from Boston as possible? I'll call it, was, it Hawaiian. Got it, it. It was a life filled with two bad ideas. well order hawaiian or don't you can get it i'm sure from sexy pizza you can also look at their philanthropies they got all sorts of crazy flavors the jalapeno cream cheese is always a very popular one they have some pesto pizzas other things as well and those pizzas some of the proceeds go to plans and things going on in and around colorado to uh help out (laughs) the community so check out sexy pizza again sexy.pizza today to order also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. Uh, obviously, they have great deals all the time, but you can jump over there right now and get your bet in uh, 
for uh, some cold hard cash, I guess, is what they're calling this deal. Either way, it's a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 when you sign up with the DNVR code on a new account. has to be the DNVR code, has to be the new account. You get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000 on your first bet there. Obviously, you can bet on all sorts of ridiculousness. We've talked about sports that some of us have never even heard of multiple times on the show. Uh, Or it can be, you know, a regular old sport. Throw a same-game parlay down to get a lot more opportunity to win, make your odds significantly better. You can bet in the same game on things like spreads, money lines, over-unders, props, all sorts of options to get in on whatever you want. So get in on it today. Again, use the DNVR code for a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum of $5 deposit. Risk-free bet paid out in the form of non-withdrawable fee bet token. Max $1,000. Restrictions apply to DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Of course, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, I'll leave the floor open on the defensive side if there's anything anyone else wanted to add to that. No, but this most recent comment made me want to vom. Pickle pizza? That doesn't sound so bad. Bro, the pictures of it are real bad. Real, real, real bad. I like, but I like, I like anchovy pizza. It's all good. This guy doesn't like barbecue. You're like the only person I've ever met in real life that actually puts, I like, I always thought the anchovies on pizza was like something made up for TV. I didn't think people actually did that. I mean, like, I'm not going to go out of my way to get it, but I've had it. Like, the one time I went to a place, I was like, oh, they actually have anchovy pizza. I got it, and it was it was good. It's just really salty. salty you disgust yeah. me. <laughs> That's fine. Yes. You're not See, I'm not person. a pickle person or a ranch person, so this pickle pizza is, like, my worst nightmare. I, uh, I, I, pickle is pretty common. I haven't heard of many people that don't like ranch. Yeah, no, I know. I, I know I'm in a minority gr- the minority group on that one, uh, but pickles suck. All right. Just going to let that slide for now. Uh, so defensemen, it looks like we're, <laughs> we're kind of comfortable with the conversation there. I do want to look at the forward side here because, <sighs> look, there's, there's a real possibility here that the Avs are heading towards a season where they don't sign a 2C. Now, they may well still sign another forward of some kind there. But you're looking down the depth options of the Avs lineup right now. Look, top line, obvious. Is it? And look, they could mix. Maybe they put Ranton in at 2C, whatever. But your top three players on the forward side, obvious. I would say I think the top five are clear-cut, and in I the think the bottom players. six are clear-cut. It's and then there's just a in the middle of it, an empty spot. Yeah, and, you know, sure. There's that pretty defining line, but within those those two sections, certainly within the bottom six, you have a lot of questions on where people end up. We talked about it a little bit before. Where do they see Ben Myers going throughout this season? How aggressively are they going to push him and give him opportunity to move up the lineup? Um, you know, the, the wings are what they are. We could see a rotation of guys trying to move into that sixth spot in the top six, depending on how they want to go about it. So you look down into the avalanche's depth 
And are we are we really setting ourselves up for another season of watching and inevitably Jason Magna get like twenty games? No. Okay. I refuse. <laughs> just just on principle. Yep. And I, was I refuse. Say yes. <laughs> A trickle down, like heightened opportunity for some of the prospects with Eagles this year that hopefully they'll get better looks and be first in line for call up opportunities if they crop up. Like there's no excuses now looking at the Eagles forward group for Oscar Olison and Foodie to not get more looks than they sample Ranta to not get more looks than they have in the past. Malta, I'm sorry. I'm like, wait, the order in which I said these names was the weird. <laughs> I was like, people. you picked, you started with the two guys that I think are least likely. <laughs> They're going to receive promotions in the Eagles forward group and they're going to have more expectations of them, that it will be really frustrating because like Megna carried a heavy workload last year. And that was also, a, you know, split up among like the Kiefer Sherwood types, the Dylan Sakuras. Now they're not there. There have to be people who step up on the Eagles and that it would be so frustrating if they're not getting better looks there, that they're not getting a better look in the call-up opportunity. Martin Kaut, the way that I did this was so bad, but that's where I meant to start is like the Kaut, Maltsev, Bowers, Olison, Foodie. Sampo. Sampo. I'm sorry. I don't know. What, I mean, what they're, what they're, whatever, like, the hierarchy ends up being, they're all going to get jumped by Charles Udon anyway, so. Yeah. I think that's the expectation, is that Charles Udon and Lucas Sedlak, like, come on down. You guys are first in line. So I, I wish I wasn't cynical like that, but that's how, that's exactly how I feel about it right now. Especially Charles Udon, who's who can play at the kind of pace that the Avalanche want to play. Um, I know it didn't totally work out for him in 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 Montreal, but I think that he's a guy that I think is gonna is gonna be one of those kind of camp superstars. Where if he goes all out and he's out there flying around, you're gonna be like, "Who the f- who is this guy?" And he st- he just sticks for a little while, uh, uh, and and he's like their first like injury guy. Well, and you know that's kind of the the place I was moving towards. Let's not forget, Sampo Ranta got ten games at the start of last season. There was some level of opportunity there for a prospect to earn a spot at least for a little while now, obviously. Sampo's Jeez. NHL play didn't really go anywhere. Well, it felt so predetermined that yeah. he got those 10 games because it was like, all right, we're, 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 not, we're not doing anything else with this guy. He's going to just play in this role, and we're just going to force it. All results be damned because he was getting obliterated, obliterated every night. And people were like, oh, you're just too caught up in the stats, AJ. You're too caught up in the numbers. And I'm like, when a guy's Corsi is in the 30s, you're right. When 60% of, 60% plus of shot opportunities are going against this guy when he's on the ice, I have problems. So it was... It was it was just the weirdest thing though because we've never seen the Avs give an opportunity like that before. And then the, to go we've and never the seen them. What's up? And then to play on the third or fourth line with the Eagles is very revealing 
there's a lot of parity between these two things that I hope is a gap that's closed a little bit less season and that guys that are more promising are rewarded more opportunity and it's a better reflection of what we can expect in call-ups. I'm all for Hudon getting a look that he deserves too. I think that he is going to be a huge contributor with the Eagles. They needed it. So yeah, I, Udon is Udon is going to be interesting because Colorado's bottom six is already really small. Like Darren Helm, obviously going out and throwing out twelve hits a game in the postseason was like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, what is this? And Andrew Cogliano could not have been more of a warrior. Uh, Logan O'Connor obviously is still LOC. He's a chirpy little prick that everybody hates. And we all adore. We all think he's the greatest thing in the world. But, like, that's not a very big group. Now, they're pretty physical and they're fast. So they cause their own problems. But it's not a very big group. And and Charles Udon is also pretty small. Um, and then you get into the other Colorado forwards. Like, Alex Newhook's also not very big. JT Comfer's not very big. None of those... None of those guys play an overly physical style either. Like, Comfort will mix it up. He's more yappy than he is chippy. So, um, I think it's... It's an interesting group that they've decided to kind of ride with right now. Like, it's it's smaller. It's really fast. Um, But he... The way that Charles Uton is going to fit in is going to be... Interesting to me. Interesting is, is, I guess, the word. It's it's kind of funny because this time last year, you're looking at the Avs lineup and you're like, well, you know, you have Val Nachushkin as a as a big body in your middle six, probably. But now Val has fully graduated to the Avs top six, so that's yeah. not really an option to drop down the lineup like it was anymore. Yeah. And and it certainly does leave a little bit of a hole in the size category down there. So I guess my question for you guys would be, do the Avs intend to just play a significantly offensively aggressive third and fourth lines? I, I get it. You know, Helm and Cogliano provide some veteran defensive ability there, but you're also throwing Ben Myers into that lineup. Mm-hmm. So is it just how do they construct a quality shutdown line at this point? Uh, well, I think that's Nichushkin and Lekkonen, right? Like that's your shutdown. And just group. let your second line do it. Yeah, I think I whatever their answer to the two C question will be, I think will be very informative on how they want to shut teams down because they might just go back to the top line if they could just say. McKinnon with Nachushkin and Landis Gog. You got top. You go go do the thing. You know, like so that I, that could easily be their answer there. <clears throat> well, I was gonna say so. It, it was it was actually it was Nico Sturm who obviously isn't here anymore, but he said something last year when he first got here that just kind of stuck with me. And to me, this kind of represents what I'm expecting for the Abs. You know, in, in regards to that bottom six, middle six, whatever. Um, he, you know, he got here and he said, they brought me in because I'm hard to play against. Not because I'm going to go put someone into the third row, but because I'm, I'm I close quick on pucks. I, I win battles along the wall and, and, you know, I, I go to the net. And that's what I think they're, they're going to kind of run back next year. You know, those guys that we listed off, 
maybe with the exception of new hook, you know, they're, they're not overwhelmingly big guys, but they're, they're physical guys. They're aggressive guys. They, they get after pucks. They pursue plays. They're annoying as hell to play against like Andrew Cogliano, JT Comfer, Logan O'Connor pass on playing those three dudes on the same team. Like just, and I think that's what they're going to lean into. And, and I'm fully with you, AJ. Like, I think they're going to look at the combination of the the five guys that we know are set right now, Lekkanen, Nachushkin, McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, maybe less so Rantanen, but I think they're going to look at those four as like some combination of these players are going to be our, our shutdown guys. And you really don't need that role out of your bottom six. I think that's part of the reason why we saw them kind of like roll through the playoffs. Very little hiccups is because that bottom six had a different role than what other teams do with, with the bottom half of their lineup. It's and especially in the regular season, I, the Avs are not afraid to just put you in a track meet and say, Oh yeah. We're going to regular season, man, where your opponent is different every night. They don't have to, they don't have any concerns at all about any of that. Their matchup, any matchup problem is temporary. You're not yeah. worrying about, oh, we don't have an answer for this. Who cares? We play somebody else in two days. <laughs> I think I think Jesse makes a good point, though, that I'd like to expand on with the why they were able to roll through the playoffs because you look at who gave them problems in the postseason. St. Louis did because their really deep forward core could attack Colorado's bottom six. They could, and that's what they did, is that they could, their, their top guys played well enough um, you know, the, the defensive excellence of Ryan O'Reilly, they, they were able to at least go punch for punch in some ways with the abs. And then they were able to exploit the fact that their, their third line is comprised of goal scores is, is, is a high end offensive machine. Uh, and then they could not, I mean, they defensively, they couldn't handle Colorado. They just couldn't, they weren't good enough. They're still not good enough. I think they probably actually got worse. Um, but like they could, they could at least attack a mismatch there. It's not enough though. It it wasn't enough to get them through. So, uh, you know, okay. But at least you could see where they were able to attack Colorado and then Tampa Bay in the final basically figured out the only way that we're going to stop Colorado speed is to really just gear the game down and stop scoring. We're, we're trying to play a no offense game at all. We have no interest in any, any offense getting played. Nobody gets scoring chances and we'll, we'll bullshit our way to a goal as we need. We'll just be advantageous as hell. That was their, that was how they, they got down the, that was how those games at the end of the series geared themselves down to the low scoring affairs that they ended up being as they sacrificed all offense to play to sell out defensively. Colorado's bottom six couldn't really, couldn't, you know, wasn't, wasn't really a large factor beyond that. And, you know, they get the one goal off of Andrew Cogliano's knee. They get the one, like the one break that they really needed. Otherwise it's Colorado's guys. It's, it's, it's their dudes that all got paid uh, or, or have been paid in the past that, that did all the work there. Uh, And then the teams that they rolled through, Nashville and Edmonton, had no depth. They had no depth. Colorado go go 
Oh, you guys want to go punch for punch with our top guys? Great! We'll right. fucking do that too! That's fine! We love this! So that's, I think, uh, I think that that's a, that's a really important key is that you want to maintain that flexibility. And when I was talking about size earlier, I'm not talking about going out and getting some big lug just for the sake of getting a big lug. That's stupid. (laughs) But I do worry about, uh, I do worry a little bit that they might've made themselves a touch small again uh, and that they really fell in love with their fourth line from the playoffs and can those guys who got really hot for two months, can they repeat that? Because I'm iffy on that. I like what the identity of the fourth line became in the playoffs. It's the blueprint for what I want a fourth line to be. And the third line, you know, I don't want this to be a copy paste. I want it to have a different identity. And that's where there's so much room for improvement. And my hope too, is this is an area where the abs have improved. Like, Top six, there's a big hole there. Bottom six, I think I could make an argument that they've improved because so much of why we don't think we saw out of Alex Newhook what we think we can expect from him is the talent alongside him. And that's not to demerit JT Comfort or Abe Kubel in any way, but it just was a little bit of inconsistency. And if they can find the right people for this third line or for Newhook in general, I think this is going to be where the bottom or middle six, depending on how he gets utilized, gets better if they can activate Newhook in the way that he will play his best. And look, I think the conversation there really does center around Ben Myers. Do you consider putting a quality Ben Myers next to an Alex Newhook and make whichever one you want the center? I don't care. And then obviously you surround that with a, a JC Comfort or a Logan O'Connor or whoever as, as the third guy. I, I, I would argue that Newhook is that key guy. Yeah, sure. Newhook can be the key guy. There. I mean, because if he, if he, if, if they give him that two C job and we saw when last year we were like, just put him with talent, please just put him with talent. They did it for one period in the Stanley cup and final. And, yeah. <laughs> and they, they produced a goal on like their second shift. So it was it was like okay just just put him next to talent. Well, okay, well if you put him on the second line and you put him next to Arturi Lekin and Miko Ranta, then no excuses time. You got to go out and you got to perform. You got to play. You got to fit in. And if he can handle that job, Ben Myers, JT Comfort, take your take your third job, then you're feeling like you're totally fine here. And now you're just looking for okay, we need one more forward uh, on you know, on our third line. Great. Like you feel, you feel like you're in, you're, you're, you're kind of home free at that point because you can easily go out and sign. And I think what they should do is go out and you sign a Sonny Milano type, you know, you sign, you sign another forward. doesn't have to be Sonny Milano. I'm just using him as a name. Um, But like go out and sign one of these guys that's going to be out there that that's still available Give him a million dollars. Evan Rodriguez would also be fine. Um, you know, he doesn't have to play 2C. That would also be fine. But, like, go out and give another one of those guys a deal. Give him a million dollars and let him be on your third line, whatever. Or if you really, truly swear to God, you promise this time that you're serious about it, give Martin Kaut that look. Like, give, put, put Martin Kaut, Ben Myers, and JT Confer on your third line and see how it actually goes. You know, put put together three guys who play a little bit different games, but are all pretty smart hockey players. 
and just see what see if it works together. And for once and for all, answer the question of is Martin Kalk going to be an NHL player for you or not? Just because I think you owe it to him to at least try and answer that question and not do it just in training camp, but actually answer the damn question. And if that's the approach that they want to take, great. If they don't, uh, if he ends up not being able to handle it, there are other internal options that we've talked about. And again, under assuming that Alex Newhook, you know, slides into that 2C in this world that I'm talking about right now, going out and getting a third line guy at the deadline just isn't very hard. Yep, that's it's just not very difficult to do. And even with them being as asset poor as they are, it's not that hard. I think I look as long as they have their 2023 first, I don't think they're that asset poor. Like, full stop. Uh, so honestly, I, I I didn't throw this out there the day on the show because I, I wanted to think it through more. And yes, the Mestikov well, again. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, like I, I still haven't really thought through specifics. But like honestly, what, dude, with with Martin Kaut, like I, I guess I am, I I am kind of with you in terms of it's just like cool, trade this guy or figure out what you have. Like, is he just an AHL or? Is, is there any value that he still has in a trade that some other team can dream on him? Uh, you know, I just, I, I think you just kind of need to make a decision on what you're doing with that guy. Cause he just, he's floated around for a little too long now. And I, I mean, like, honestly, AJ, like with, with what you just laid out, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. Cause at least it gets you your answer. And by Christmas, you're either saying, wow, I can't believe we just let this guy marinade down there for three years four years or it's been at this point uh or it's yeah okay that was kind of what we thought back to the eagles and see you never like again i don't want to sound overconfident here or, or even drift into the realm of cocky that's not where i'm getting at and you can change this as the season goes on but going into the season you're pretty darn confident in the abs ability to make the playoffs Which, <laughs> which gives you room to give a guy like count 15 games. It gives you room to try something with the Mikhail Maltsev. If you're confident in your team's ability to, to win the games that they need to. I think counts an NHL caliber player, if not in this organization somewhere else. And I like this idea of finally realizing how he fits in this organization, if at all. And honestly, if it's not count, then you try Bowers, then you try Maltsev, then you try Ranta. You have actual prospects that you've drafted, you've put time into, you've developed. They've been in your AHL program now for at least a year. Like, there are guys that you can just be like, okay, throw them out there. Look, he's got two full years in the AHL now. We can we can start having the, the Jean-Luc Foodie call-up conversation starting this year. I didn't I still. To... I jumped that so prematurely. I mean, like, I... Look, I think it's up to AJ. John Luke Foodie would be the seventh defenseman. <laughs> the seventh <laughs> I I just feel like look uh, on a third line, maybe even on a fourth. Like if you moved LOC up to that third line and you put Foodie on your fourth line, like that speed is gonna play. Like it's it's just not for I me. Guess... It's 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 just like. Would you love to go out and get one of these other guys where you know, like, okay, like a Sonny Milano, where you're like, okay, this guy's done some things in the NHL and, you know, blah, 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 all these conversations? Sure. But also, like, 
are, are you just going to ignore that the one strength that you have in your, your in your organization in terms of prospects is all of your forwards are in the AHL. All of them. I guess my question for the org would be, why were you so aggressive about Sampo Ranta specifically? And why haven't we seen any of these other forwards get a similar opportunity to that? Yeah. Large. Well, <laughs> big. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> so, you know, I, they, they sent down Ranta. Cause if you guys remember right after I came back to DNVR, it took a while to get my credential and stuff figured out. So by the time I actually got in the room, they had already sent Ranta back down because I wanted to ask, you know, what, 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 why did he get such the extended look? And like Bednar is honest enough that like, if he doesn't think that a guy played well, or if they sent a guy down for a specific reason, like he'll say, but like, it, it, it is interesting. Cause I would love to know. And, and again, maybe we'll get a chance to, to get some insight into this at, at um, rookie camp and training camp and stuff. But I really would like, like, what is it that they see that we don't, or that they don't see what we do? Like, I guess I just, I'd be very curious because you guys both made a good point of like, everyone falls in love with their prospects. Everyone thinks their prospects are better than everyone else's, but to AJ's point, all of your forward prospects are in the AHL. Like they're all there. Like you don't have any, I mean, really any big name forward prospects coming behind anybody that's already on the Eagles. So it is just interesting. Cause it's like, do you, are you getting them there? And you're just like, Oh, these guys just don't have it in our system. Uh, is there something in particular that you're waiting for one of them to do that none of them have done? I mean, it, it is just like kind of a peculiar situation. On one hand, you sit there and you go, you're in a cup window, go get the players that you think will make you as, as good as you can tomorrow uh, or as good as they can tomorrow. But it, it is just, it is just weird. And, and you do almost wonder if is, is that what they're finally looking at with this last little hole here in the lineup? Like, Hey, we've been looking for an excuse. We're coming off a cup. There's really no pressure for the first. I mean, there's negative pressure for the first, what, eight weeks of their season. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, is, we is would like to believe that, but <sighs> At, at least from the outside, like, I mean, I'm sure that they will have some internal, uh, you know, expectations and stuff. But like, if you get off to a bad first start of the month, it's, ah, they were, they were drinking too much this summer. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, nobody cares. They, uh, what are you, a doorstop? <laughs> what was the doyoyoyoing noise for? What know, did that have like, to do uh, with drinking? <laughs> I, I think it was just a goofy summer, silly goose summer. The reality is of being on, a doorstop <laughs> <laughs> on the forward side. The abs have continued to really struggle to develop role players effectively. When you look at their line, the guys who have graduated had JT Comfort came into the AHL, crushed it, made it easy for them to promote him. Kind of the same thing with Logan O'Connor came in and, and dominated at the AHL level. But you look at those guys that that don't come in and do that and are a little bit slower, like a Martin Kout, like a Shane Bowers, that, look, the reality is their role in the NHL is never going to be a high-octane scorer anyway. So how do they get those guys 
into role player jobs in the NHL. And they've just really, really struggled to do that over the last decade. Yeah. So what, I don't know. Was, I guess JT Confer was uh, JT Confer, Logan O'Connor, but it's the last drafted Avalanche player to turn into a quality role player for the Evs. Uh, specifically a forward. Yeah, yeah, obviously there's been some defensemen. They've done, especially in recent years, a much, much better job with their defensemen there. Yeah. But um, A.J. Greer plays has played almost 50 NHL nope. games. That can't can't count that shit. Michael Bourneval got to 100 games, none of them with the end. It's like Tyson Jost. Yeah. It's legitimately like it was, it was like Tyson Jost. New and Hook is like still... New, new Hook is still... I would still still say too soon to to write the book on who he's going to be. Oh, by you know? a lot. By a lot. Yeah, because uh, you you keep going down. I mean, Joseph Blandisi played a hundred games. Yeah, is it is it seriously TJ Galliardi? Maybe. Like the last drafted guy who who had a multi year career, yeah, he played three hundred games. TJ Galliardi in 2007 is their last draft again. Roars, Roars, Ryan O'Reilly's a top six guy. Yeah. They've done fine finding those cats. So it's like they blew, they blew a top 10 pick on Tyson Jost. Like they just missed it. Yeah. Um, the, the sad part is that if you redrafted that, he's still like a top 15 pick. Yeah. He's not going that far from 10. It's um, Cause class. it's just, it's just a bad class. Yeah, it's, it's just a weaker class. So you're talking the, the, the first-round pick that did not disappoint, the last role player that they drafted and developed. And I know that that's a little specific because it doesn't really matter if you draft and develop a guy. Getting a JT Comfer uh, out of a trade, getting a, a Logan O'Connor out of uh, out of undrafted, getting Ben Myers undrafted. Those are, those are like, important things. But this is where, and nobody's saying that their drafting is bad. This is not the, come on. This is not the conversation that we're having. We're talking about, can they develop a role player? Because that's what they need. They did the hard part. They developed superstars. They did the hard part. So now the, now the, the question is, is can they get one or two? Because you look at this huge glut of prospects that they've drafted that are in the AHL right now. If they get nothing out of it. I mean, that makes, again, the Avs are on top of the, the league right now. And the battle they're fighting to keep this window open is against the cap. And how you get value against the cap is graduating depth prospects. Well, and because it, it keeps you from paying 1.25 for Darren Helm and Andrew Cogliano all the time. Because you've got... This is a funny you know, comment for me. You, you look <laughs> at... You look at like a, you know... You do look at Tampa Bay and you say, okay, you know, look at, uh, you know, they get rid of Matthew Joseph, but they're, they get a Ross Colton, you know? Uh, I would say Tampa Bay is in recent years probably not a great example because they've had to trade, they've traded first round picks and prospects and all kinds of things for guys like Nick Paul and Brandon Hagel. Uh, Corey Perry, Belmar, and Maroon make up their bottom six. So it's not like they're, it's not like they're drafting and developing a ton of depth guys now, but to get to where they are, to get to where they have been, that was how they got there. Um, 
but you do look at like right now, you you would just love to see Colorado. You know, I've largely given up on this line of conversation, um, but they're the worst. They're one of the worst teams in the entire NHL at developing depth. They're by far, by far, one of the worst teams in the NHL at at developing depth players. That's why you have Helms and Coglianos and Sturms on the team. Right. That's why we've seen them have to go out and consistently pay for bottom six guys because they've struggled to internally fill them. Now, when I I got excited about the Ben Myers thing because the hype around him is pretty significant, but like that's a young, cheap guy that replaces a failed draft pick. Yeah. Like if they can get if they can get a real guy out of Ben Myers. It's not really any different than them going out and and drafting and getting a guy out of Sample Ranta. It's the same thing. They're the same age. It's the same. It's the same kind of role. Like it. It's the. It's the same stuff. So they can they continue to find ways to like get around it, but they've got to figure. That's like the one part of their organization that they just have not improved upon, even in the slightest. Guys being drafted going to the Eagles, and going to the NHL. It just hasn't been a thing. I love the combo. We are brought to you by FOCO. Got to get it in. Yeah, yeah. No, no, you're good. Sorry. (laughs) Go over there. You can get all sorts of merch from all of Colorado sports teams. Who knows? Maybe in a couple of years, you'll be getting a Sampo Ranta bobblehead from them. It's possible. Anything's possible. Uh, Of course, they have a bunch of other merch as well. They have licensed merchandise and clothing in both men's, women's, and even children's sizes. So you can get whatever you want from your favorite Colorado team there, including teams like the Buffs and the Mammoth. So it's not just the big four. It's it's some of the other sports that I know we have some diehards of as well. So go to FOCO.com today. Check out their merch. Get yourself some good stuff. And, of course, brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Uh, maybe that's just what you need. Maybe you just need the Avs front office to have a couple beers, loosen up, and give some of these prospects a chance. <laughs> what was that? Doing, doing, no, I was trying to recreate the noise. Doing, So, again, it, it is funny. Oh, yeah. What? Go ahead. Oh, no. I'll say it is funny because we spent yesterday talking about free agency and, you know, what we've seen GMs do in the past versus what they're doing, uh, you know, this year. And and I love the way that Megan summed it all up yesterday. She's like, wow, it's like an episode of seventh heaven where you go through all these lessons. And at the end of it, you realize the, the, the lesson, the underlying lesson is you don't build your team in free agencies used to, to, or you don't build your team in the summer. It's, it's used to fill in the fringes. And I think it's so true. Um, and, and it's funny because the abs have drafted really, really well at the top. Mm-hmm. Ranton and McKinnon. Like, this can't be overlooked. Right, right. Okay? Like, you cannot take for granted the fact that they have been absolutely nails yeah. At the top of the draft, even guys yeah. that I'm getting Matt Duchesne and Ryan O'Reilly out of those picks, like those were those were great picks. Like they right. have been weirdly good at crushing the top of the draft. To the fact that Tyson Jost is the one major outlier of a high yeah. first round pick, where you're like, they got an NHLer out of him. It just didn't right. work out the way we thought. 
Right. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I remember us doing those draft uh, shows the, the year they lost the lottery and ended up picking Kale McCarr. It's really easy to look back on that now and say, how did three teams miss on that? That was a pick that like you had to have some stones to go up and make in the top five late riser uh, in the draft from a, you know, a, a junior two league, you know, so they've, they've done really well. And, and what I think is what has been interesting, I, I don't have an excuse for the 10 years preceding the last five years because it's the same problem then, but you know, you look at it now and you say, okay, this is a team that's been in a contention window now for a couple of years. They went to the second round three years in a row before, you know, obviously going all the way to the final and winning. So you sit there and you're like, all right, well, they didn't really have time to develop those guys for those, you know, those role players. Um, and the guys that they went out and got did them very effectively. So you can give them a pass on these last couple of years. Um where they make up for it, like you said, you know, it's the signing the college free agent free agents, Kerfoot, Tony Otto, uh, you know, guys like wow, why did his name just completely fall out of my head? Ben Myers, I want to say Smith. Um, and then the other thing that, that yeah, Ben Smith, really, a very different guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh the, the other area where they've really, really done well, and we've talked about this so many times, is their pro scouting. I mean, they turned Chris Begraw. Uh, into Ryan Graves. They turned Dom Toninato into Jacob McDonald, who has been, mm-hmm. you know, a steady coming in and out of their lineup for the last few years, depth guy. Um, now, obviously, those are both defensive examples, but, like, they've, they've made up for it. But I do think they are in a little bit of a weird situation here now. And and this kind of circles back to what we were talking about earlier, where – you're you're really never been in a more advantageous situation than to try a couple things than maybe you are right now, because I, I, I honestly like, back. what nothing just talking to chat. Oh, uh, you know, like honestly, I, I get it. These last couple of years, if you're saying, look, we don't want to wait and roll the dice and see what this guy can bring, we want to bring in a known quantity who we think can help us make who can help us win. You won. You have an extra roster spot. Like I said, your expectations are pretty low to start the season. Give a couple guys some looks and and see what you can find. Um, They've made up for the poor drafting with some really nice pro scouting moves, some nice amateur scouting moves. Um, But again, you're in a situation where you've got some, you've got some buffers on here. So as someone who has normally been in the camp of put the best player who you think gives you a chance to win. Uh, I am that, Hey, look, the market is kind of shaking out the way it has. If you don't see any trade options, you like try something, try something internally, save, save some money, save some draft picks. And if you have to make a move in season at the deadline, you've got the assets you need. I would like uh, just to, just to give people kind of an idea the guys who are still on the market, okay, guys that they can still go out and sign that you think could play maybe a middle six role for you, okay? Not even like a top six, right, but a middle six. You have Phil Kessel, Paul Stasny, Evan Rodriguez, Sonny Milano, and Sam Gagne. Those are all of the guys that have 
those are the guys that are left on the market. Obviously, I'm ignoring Kadri and Bergeron for obvious reasons. Uh, those are all the guys sitting on the uh, sitting on the market who have scored more than 30 points last year. That's yep. it. Now there are some other like there are some younger guys hanging around on the market, like a Sam Steele, uh, Daniel Sprong, Alex Galchenyuk. If you, I, I guess he's not really that young anymore. Uh, if you wanted to like dream on a younger guy, Jonathan Dolan is out there. Um, Avs Nation is all about reclamation projects like Sam Steele. All right, right. <laughs> so it's like, like if you wanted one of those, those guys are out there. If you uh, like gun to my head, I had to pick one of those. Give me Phil the thrill. I, I'm not taking Phil Castle. I just won't do it at this point in his career. Hey. He's too bad defensively, man. He's so bad. He's so bad defensively. Uh, I don't understand. Personality. I, I'm I'm confused why Evan Rodriguez is still on the market. I understand a tale of two seasons, but he's he's 29 years old. Uh, it's not. It's not like this is a guy that is going to get a long-term deal at this point. Uh, I get that he's coming off by far his most productive season. So I guess if he's if he's holding the line on asking for four million dollars or something, that's on him. And uh, hold me, you crazy. Uh, but it's like outside of that, like okay, I can understand Paul Stasny waiting out the cadre market because that's an important thing for him. Uh, and especially coming off of such a solid year where he was, he was good for the Jets. Like he was legitimately just good for the Jets. Um, and he, he remains like a solid hockey player. He's just a good, solid all around guy. Your only concern about him in Colorado is pace. But outside of that, like <laughs> there's a reason that we don't talk about more than Paul Stasny, Evan Rodriguez, Sonny Mulatto. <laughs> Because the forward market just doesn't really exist. Like, I, the rest of that is depth, guys, right? Could you get me excited about a Zach Aston Reese? Like uh, an elite defensive wing that that can come in and play on your fourth line? Like, okay, sure. But where do you where does he fit? When you committed to Helm and Cogliano, you kind of took that out of that out of that out of the equation. Unless you want to overplay that guy and put him on a third line and watch him never score for you. Right. So, like, there's just not a lot out there. So, if you were, if you were really trying to make the case for, hey, let's let's promote from within first, and then go from there. If it doesn't work, then it doesn't work, and we can always adjust in season. But if you were trying to make that case, I think looking at this market, looking at where they are, it's fine. You can absolutely talk yourself into a Maltsev or a Kout or or a Ranto. You know, pick pick a guy. Uh, very quickly, I do want to move us on to the goaltending situation too, because it's probably the most solidly secured depth in the organization. Yes, you. I mean, look, sure, you have questions about Georgiev as, as a starter, right? But assume him in the starter position. You have a very solid backup in Francois. Mm-hmm. You have Jonas Johansson, at, at least at the start of the season, is going to be your third goaltender. And then you have a promising pos- prospect in Eustace Annanen, who you hope to see move up this year. 
Are you? Do they go out and what? Why are they the only organization organization that loves Jonas Johansson? I don't what, know. What is their love of the JoJo? I thought it. I thought it was weird when Florida claimed him last year because I was like, oh, I didn't yeah. know that anybody else wanted this guy except for the. That was a spike claim that came the night after the Abs beat them. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so true. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a funny question. And he only played one game for Florida. Two. Did he play two? Yeah. They were that forgettable. He 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 played two games and he has 7.74 goals against average. Is is part of it like they found JoJo and they were like, oh, this is a reliable third goaltender so we don't have to go the Hunter Miska route again? I guess, but my question is, is do they, how many, how many games do they give him? What role do they give him in the Eagles? Because I swear to God, if the Jonas Johansson obsession gets in the way of Eustis on it, then. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. I'll bet you they just carry him all year. I'll I'll bet you that's why he did it or why they did it. This is someone who we can carry with the team all season long. He'll practice. He'll take morning skates. He'll work with UC Parkula. The guys like him. He likes the team, and we don't have to play him in the AHL. I'll, I'll, they would I'll be they would be our probably the first team in modern NHL history to make that commitment without a taxi squad. Is there? Did they not change a rule? Can't you carry three goalies this next year? I don't. I I don't. Know. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I feel like- it's a great trickle down effect because Peyton Jones left the organization. So, like, they, between Trent Minor now, it, just there, Hunter Misk is gone, Peyton Jones is gone. They needed somebody. Yeah. I thought I remembered something. All right, I'm going to do some digging for tomorrow's show. I thought I remembered something about you can carry three goalies, not against the cap, or the third one's not against the cap, something, something, something. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's, I think it's pretty cut and dry. The, Goaltending depth. Yeah, I didn't want to have a deep conversation about it. Just mention that it is very straightforward for once after years of sitting here going, what are the Avs going to do with third goaltender? (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. AJ, um, I've started an aggressive campaign towards them trading for for Pulley-Yarvey. Where are you at on this? Uh, I mean, it depends on the cost. But you're all right with the player? Yeah, player's fine. Uh, he can't score, but he's good defensively. But and an official, ador- official endorsement. Take it to the bank. Yeah, and he can't score, but he, he's a good defensive player, and he drives He drives enough play. Um, I, I don't know if he's good defensively, but he drives He drives enough play for me it's that I'm, I'm intrigued about. Uh, I'm, in, I'm intrigued with him. Uh like developing moving forward in a different situation. So he just uh, again, like depending on depending on cost, I'd be all for that, man. I I have he, no he issues with like that. A fun reclamation project that's like two steps ahead of your normal reclamation project that you bring in. <laughs> well he's like a reclamation project only related to his draft status. Right, Otherwise right. he's a proven NHL player. He's a fine NHL player. 
Uh, and if, if you didn't know anything about him, if he was undrafted, you wouldn't be sitting there going, well, well maybe there's more to give. Right, right. Pretty similar to Tyson Jost, just drafted a bit higher, right? Yeah, well, and really, like, the real comp there is Val Natushkin. Um, Style-wise, for sure. I'm just talking about he was drafted and hasn't lived up to the, the draft pick area, but is still an NHL player. Yeah, so that's, you know, um, I'm not sure... I'm not sure why David thinks that Adenen is the most overrated prospect in the Avs org. Um, I, I wanted to reply, but I do like this person. They're very nice. I just disagree with that take. I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know how you would rate that. I don't know that anybody thinks that Eustace Adenen is going to be a high-end NHL starter. <laughs> You're trying to get an NHL player out of him for one, and then you'll just kind of see how it goes from there. But um, I, I don't yeah. know rated uh, fairly because I don't I think you're right I don't think the role we envision him filling in the future is going to be NHL starter who is the most overrated prospect I don't I that, that question stems that stems entirely from how do you rate the prospects to begin with that's yeah. which that's fair a show for that me we're it's, do at some point for me it's got to be Olison. so I, I think it's Olison or Ranta well when people start talking about Olsen filling a role similar to Burakovsky, I have to step in. Like that's just not realistic. I I still have hope for Olsen to be a better player, but not that level of a player. Well, Olsen's he's he's just he's a, such an easy one to like really get hyped on because the shot is so it's such a high level shot given the age he's at and like where he's at development wise. Him and Rand are just like they've got they've got like the sexy tools. Like it's just well, and, jumps you. Yeah, like like Olison, you look at you look at a guy with that kind of size, you look at him with that kind of skating, and you look at that shot and you're like, That's an NHL player, what's up? And then you watch him play every other aspect of the game of hockey and you're like, Huh. It, it's why we got some work to do. It's why it's hard to make the Burakovsky comparison because of how good Burakovsky is at creating space. Exactly. And Olison I'm not saying he can't get there, but he doesn't have that in the bag yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and again, like, it was just. I remember we'll have Ken. Funny. We'll have Ken back on to talk about Vegas when we talk about Vegas. We're not just going to bring him back to chat. Hey, just tell us what's happening in Vegas. Uh, no, but like I remember watching Olison in those couple preseason games that he got, and there was one. One of the games where, he, I mean, he got like a legitimate NHL goaltender and he smoked one by him. And it's just, it's, it's fun to watch that, but yeah, you, he, he's got, he's got a ways to go. Yeah. He's him and him and Ranta. They're, they're easy to get. They got all the tools. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I expect Olsen to take steps forward because there's still a lot of time for things to play out with him. Sampo's kind of on a clock. A uh, the, the, the crazy part about all these guys is outside of Foodie and Olison, I think they're all on a clock now. Yep. They're all in they're all in their age 22, 23, 24 seasons, and you're like Where yeah. where where are you? Like I mean, come for, on. For some of these like Cowton Bowers, the clock is at like eleven forty five. Oh yeah. it, it it's almost up. Um, yeah, I was, anyway. I was like, Cal, Cal's about to get the if he doesn't figure out this season he's getting the AJ Greer treatment bounce around to yeah. a couple different teams and get 10 games here 20 games there 
five games here. Like, yeah, Trent Miner has not played outplayed Eustace on it in over the last couple it's, of years. In no way, not yeah, even. Yeah, he stepped close. up when he needed to, but that was just in relief, very isolated body of work to measure. Yeah, like the the year before with the Giants in the WHL bubble is not something you can really take any kind of meaning out of. And, like, in the AHL, both of them were sub-900 goalies, separated by a couple percentage points. But Trent Miner was a sub-900 goalie in five games. Versus Ananen playing 48. (laughs) Right. Well, and and Ananen was, like, the the epitome of streaky. Because you remember, he he was the goaltender of the month when he got called up. And well, then he, he was in the NHL the for a little while. NHL playoffs too. Yeah, I mean he lost he lost head to head to Dustin Wolf. Yep. Who's like one of the best <laughs> young goaltenders in the game. And Eustace played so well in that series. Too. Yeah, it, he was it, great it was in that really series. Really good luck. Yeah, he was great in that series. So we'll see how it goes this in this right. next year. But Ananen is a real NHL prospect. Like he's a meaningful prospect, and Trent Miner has work to do. If only because Eustace Onanen is right in front of him. Yep. And, and I know that there are people around the league who like Eustace Onanen. Like that's it's not just the Avs or Avs fans saying, "Oh, this guy." Like there are people around the league that really like Eustace Onanen as a goaltender. I'm not getting knives. I'm just charging my phone. <laughs> I'm glad you cleared that up because that was what I thought. I was like, oh shit. Keeping she's just like the anti Santa. She's keeping a list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she'll check it. She'll check it more than twice before she pulls the knives. Uh all right. Any any final thoughts on today, the F's depth or or otherwise? Any conversations? I mean, yeah, but we have a whole summer to get through, so no. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. All right. We're going to get out of here then. We appreciate all of y'all hanging out with us. Oh, yeah. One super chat for Miss Truly. $2 giving us the heart. Much appreciated. Love you, Miss Truly. She's the best. We are out of here for today, though. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow. I don't know if we'll get into the prospects this week. That might be a little bit later on. Uh, But definitely a conversation we'll have at some point. And, of course, keeping you up to date on when things do inevitably eventually happen with free agency. So we will talk to you on the next one. And until then, have a good rest of your day.